Thank you. If you would remain standing, and in your bulletin on the back of the announcements page is our scripture for today. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, stand. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. I got to tell you, and I chuckle because you're going to, as we get into all this, you're going to totally understand what I'm saying. I think this is the most nervous I have ever been to preach here. I cannot, my mind is going a thousand miles an hour. I can't move fast enough. I am anxious. All of this is just bearing down on me. And I am so afraid I'm going to forget, I'm going to say something that needs to be said. You ever been there? The reason I bring that up is not out of fear. I'm not speaking it into existence into my life. I'm not trying to calm myself down, which is normally what I do. Right? I'm feeling like this and this and this. I mean, you know, I don't have to be talking to anybody. I can go do this all by myself in a corner somewhere. I just talk to myself and try to get it all out. I share that with you because there's an understanding that I've had for a long, long time. That as God puts me in a position to be able to share and teach, then he refines me on that lesson prior to standing up here. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Amen, yes. I don't care if you grunt. <clears throat> okay, just as long as we're tracking together. So, we're on part two of the battlefield of the mind. Okay? Part two. A couple things that I want to make sure we get covered today. And this is going to be good. I'm really excited about this too. So, there are phrases that we use during our life that shine the light on the importance of the mind. Things that just kind of roll off of our tongues. Things like, so what were you thinking? Mind over matter. Get your head in the game. 
my personal favorite. Have you lost your mind? Now, there's different words that, that people fit in there like ever-loving. Have you heard that before? Okay, have you lost your ever-loving mind? As a matter of fact, I have. But we do. We end up in those things and we, we, those things just roll off of our tongue, don't they? Here's what we're really saying. And this is your sermon in a sentence. Get control of your thoughts and act accordingly. Now, that's not necessarily the way we want it to come across to people. So we do, you know, have you lost your mind? Or, you know, it's mind over matter. But really what we're saying is, get your head in the game. Get control of your thoughts and let's apply what you know. That's what we're saying. All of us have been in a situation like this. Could be a coworker, could be a student, could be a parent, could be your child. Could be a customer. Somebody jumps on your case. And their mouth is going a mile a minute. And you're hearing everything that they're saying. Some might be true. Some might not be true. But man, they're letting you have it. And there are a million things going through your head. They've got the body language going. They've got the facial expression. They've got the hips kicked out. They've got the hands moving. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we, in some form or fashion. And man, I've got a thousand things, millions of things running through my head. It's like, okay, I'm just waiting for the right time because I got this, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to act this way, and da-da-da-da-da. And then all of a sudden, you begin to think further about repercussions, the situation at hand, who it's going to impact, what was the right thing to do, what's the right thing not to do, what am I going to entertain, and then we get to the point of going, how am I really going to handle this? And then, sometimes, the smile breaks across the face, the voice tone comes out nice and caring, and you say whatever it is that you know needs to be said in that situation. I didn't say it happens all the time, did I? But it does sometimes. Do you know what you just experienced in all of that? In that flurry of moment. And all of the things that flash through your head and all the decisions in a millisecond that you have to make... And you change from what you were going to say and what you were going to do to doing something different. You took the thoughts captive. You took those thoughts captive. Interesting, isn't it? Because we read in Scripture about taking those thoughts captive... And we go, man, how would you even do that? How do you capture a thought? And we start focusing on how many times we missed it. And how, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, me taking my thoughts captive is like nailing jello to a wall. Right? There's no way. Thank you, Nancy. Nancy shared that with me one time, and I, think it was, I thought it was awesome. But it is. It's like you're taking these thoughts that you're like, okay, 
I need to make sure that I've got a hold of this so it doesn't get out of the shell because sometimes when I let my thoughts go, bad things happen. Sometimes. So I want to capture this and I want to hold on to it. But I take it and I hold on to it and I take it and I nail it to the wall and the jello just falls apart. This is like, yeah, I try this all the time. So what, what, I'm, what I want to share with you today is that there are times in our life that we do take thoughts captive. We do. Do you remember times when it's like, man, I could have said this, but I did this. Right? And it was good. I don't mean bad. I mean, it's good. You made the right decisions and you handled the situations correctly. That is taking thought captive. And the only reason we don't constantly just send out a flurry from our mouths... It's because we get convicted by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And he's the one going, Ian, nope. You're not going to use that descriptive word. Right? Ian, no, you're not going to use that body language. Ian, I'm going to help you change your voice tone. Ian, stop crossing your arms. Because, yeah, i got something to say and I'm gearing up. Just let you know, I'm loading bullets right now. Cross your, oh, don't cross your arms. Okay. Go sit down somewhere with them. Don't just stand there. So all of these thoughts that come through our head is God going, look, I want into this situation. I just need your permission. And we go, yes, okay, let's do this. There are times that we don't and we have to go back and there's things that we need to apologize for and things we need to get corrected. But those times that we step correctly and we allow God to move in our life and capture those thoughts, take them captive so they can't be used, is what we need to be familiar with. You need to be familiar with that routine. Because that routine is what's going to help you stop going down the well-worn path and let you start blazing this new trail that God wants you to take. Just like this morning, we were talking about the, the uplift of the Spirit during worship. This is the same thing. This is what we're used to. This is what we need to do. But what's our point of understanding? And it's that, you know what, every one of us here have captured thoughts before. And God has taken us in the right direction. We go on to think, but you know, Ian, I just don't have the self-control. I just don't have self-control. And I joked a couple weeks ago, you know, there's a bag of... Krispy Kreme donuts sitting on my top of my refrigerator and I'm like, you know, I've got zero self-control until that bag's gone, then I'm good. And so we beat ourselves up over not having self-control. And, and there's, there's this, at points, a, a quandary because in the, when, when we talk about, out of Galatians, the, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control is one of those, right? And at points we scratch our head and go, okay, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, but i got zero self-control, and I'm supposed to control this stuff myself. I, I don't understand that. Let me help you. What God is talking about with the fruit of the Spirit is not about you controlling yourself. 
Okay? Throughout Scripture, it talks about that we're supposed to die to self. We're supposed to die to self, so how am I supposed to have self-control if I'm over here killing myself? Jesus tells us, out of Luke, If anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Paul goes on in Galatians. Now those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So I'm supposed to be getting myself out of the picture, yet I'm supposed to have self-control. Listen. Self-control is not controlling yourself, but it's allowing God to control your self. It's not your responsibility. All you have to do is surrender. It's not about how hard I'm working to, to make sure that my decisions are that of God, but it's allowing myself in the middle of the chaos when someone's in my face sticking his finger in my chest and go, God... What do you want to do here? To get to that point, we need to understand that we need to be renewed. Our minds, the way we think, needs to be renewed, right? Romans tells us all about that. Romans, Romans 12, verse 2. Be not conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. So, if you have a difficult situation, it doesn't have to be about anger, but it can be hurt, sadness, loss, all of those different things. How does the world normally respond to those? We know, because we were in it. The question is, how does God want to respond in that? Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. So, first clue is, if you're in a situation and circumstance, and you go, well, this is how the world would handle it. Okay, don't do that. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you want to be different? Renew your mind. Do you want to transform? Renew your mind. Change the way you think. Now, years and decades and decades ago, there was, we all probably wore the bracelets, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? And, we, and, and what that did was it created a movement of people being out and, man, I'm being Jesus to the world, man, hands and feet of Jesus, this is great. What didn't settle in was the mind. We did things because we thought that's what Jesus would do. Here's the challenge. What would Jesus think? What would he think? How would he see it? What would be his next steps? How would his voice tone sound? Now, Jesus can be sitting down with little children on his lap, or he could be in the temple flipping tables. But what does Jesus think? And to transform who we are... Our mind needs to be renewed to understand his thought processes. And that's found here. What would Jesus think? Once our minds are renewed, then we are able to test 
and approve what God's will is. Once you're thinking the way Christ thought and how he thinks and the spirit moves, when we're in their situations, then we will know what his will is in those situations. And because we've already surrendered our hearts to it, then we just step into the doing at that point. We understand how he thinks. We are surrendered. We are obedient to step into how he would do it. Does it make sense? This is a process, is it not? I'm not the only one in here that's got a lot of clutter up here that needs to get removed. Here's the thing. You're not alone. And that's awesome. Because you know what? Just like I stood up here this morning and talked about my struggle of feeling anxious and nervous... You would think, the way I was be talking about that, that I was going to be preaching hellfire and brimstone. Right? It's like, oh yeah, I know why you're nervous. You're about to make everybody in this church mad. No. It's because what I'm sharing is truth. And the enemy doesn't want you to hear it. Because you know what? Your minds are changing. My mind is changing. We're being renewed and transformed as we speak. Because we're taking everyday examples and we're ripping the curtains back and we're showing the reality that, you know what? Life is meant to be lived having the mind of Christ. And with that, you are powerful. You are strong. You cannot be defeated. The enemy comes up against something solid like that and cannot take territory because you're too busy taking territory. We're stepping into this realm of, of battle to take ground. And we're talking about the battlefield of the mind. And the reason that it's so important is because the battlefield of the mind is where you are transformed. It says it right there in Romans. It's where we become the people that God designed us to be. He breathed life into you for a purpose. But you know what? If your mind can be clouded and you can be stunted in your growth because you can't think clearly or you don't see things clearly, then you'll never reach that potential. So the further we get into how to renew the mind and to be transformed, the harder the enemy is going to come against us. That's why I was anxious, fearful, overwhelmed. None of those are God's character, is it? But that's what's on me. That's what came against me. I'll put it that way. Because I don't feel that right now. Can you tell? I don't. And so it's one of those things that if I were to follow that path of being nervous and afraid, do you know what I would have done? I can tell you because I've lived that scenario a million times. I can tell you what I would have done. I would have walked over here. Believe it or not, Sean. I would have not moved from this little podium. And I would have read what I had the whole time thinking, okay, just don't let my words slip around. I'll get this straight. Man, if I can just get out of here. And I'll be done and I'll tackle it again next Sunday. That's what I would have thought. That's not what's happening, is it? Why? Because take control. Of those thoughts. Captive 
take those and make them captive. Put them in a cell and move them off to the side. Because you know what? That's not who I am and that's definitely not what God wanted today. So I share those things so that you can watch and see in action what God is doing. That you can tangibly go, you know what, man, you remember that Sunday when Pastor Ian stood up and he was just afraid about this, this, this? Man, did you hear what God brought forth? So everything of what you're watching right now is something that's happening in the spiritual, but it's just being displayed physically. Because if I decided not to take those captive through the power of God, then you would have seen this the whole time. That's being willing to put your life on display. Because every one of us are encouraged by it. I'm encouraged by it. Because you know what? I'm like, thank you. Thank you. So we end up taking, we have a choice. When these thoughts come through our minds, we have a choice. Will we take them captive or not? Will we take them captive or not? Now, it would be great if this helmet of salvation was what we put on and we never even had to deal with thoughts, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Magneto X-Men, right? <laughs> right? He wears a helmet. Doesn't have to deal with any kind of other telepathy that comes in or anything else. It's all guarded. Wouldn't it be nice to have a helmet that you don't have to deal with anything outside that comes in against you? Well, this is a helmet, yes, but it doesn't do that for you. It doesn't. You know what's happened? You get into battle and you're wearing a helmet, you're going to get hit in the head. The question is, what are you going to do with that? And that's these, these the, the, the thoughts that come against us. It's like, okay, I got hit, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to take it captive. And I'm going to move on. I'm... I, you know what, there's times that I get hit and I'm going to stumble off to the side. I may sit down on the front rear row of the pew and shake my head a little bit because I'm like, man, that was pretty, that was a tough one. You know, I'm so, I wait for my eyes to, to be able to focus. But you get back up and you get into battle. Remember what we said about our helmet. Our helmet is a, is a mental guard, but it is an unwavering, unchanging, steadfast belief that God and all of His promises are more powerful and provide a much better outcome for you than what you're being told. That's what our helmet is. It is the confidence to know that God has given me promises personally, given me promises that are more powerful than I could ever imagine. And they are much more powerful than the lies that are being whispered in my ear. That's what this helmet does for us. It is important to know that we have the mind of Christ. So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we have the mind of Christ and that we can think the way that he thinks. That we don't have to be the captive of our thoughts but we can be the one capturing our thoughts. We are really making a flip here to go, we are not the victims in this 
battle. We're not the victims in this spiritual life. We, we are the victors. We're the ones designed to win this. What we're talking about is just some of the how. The helmet of salvation, yes, deals with our eternity. But the helmet of salvation also protects the mind that we've been given so that we can be saved from everything that comes across our path. Everything. Ian, you mean to tell me that we can win it all? We're going to have some tough days. We're going to have some tough days. The ones we don't win, we learn from. And we'll win it the next time. But we're never lost. We're never alone. There are things that God does as we grow and as we learn, expect from us. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. I expect my kids, as I teach them lessons, I expect them to be able to function accordingly. Right? That's not odd to think, is it? There's no difference in our growth and maturity in Christ. Once we're taught these things, that's the reason we have armor and weapons and principles to live by. Is because... We, know how, we need to know how to use them. And that's what we're doing right now. We're learning how to use these things and how they're used for us. Will God always be there? Absolutely. Can my kids call me at any time and say, Dad, I need your help? Yes. Am I there? You bet. Will I help them? Yeah. And afterwards, I'll probably sit them down and go, You know, you really didn't need me for this. Because I need you to go be what you've been created to be. I've got your back anytime. I'm always there. But there's an expectation when we step into things that are no longer milk of the word, but meat, that we need to live accordingly. And that's where we're heading. You guys are not alone. I'm not alone. I didn't feel alone up here today. God loves you guys a lot. A whole lot. And there's things that are sitting before us even this week that you'll be able to apply this to. And to know that God has already has thoughts on how to handle what you're going to face. So what would Jesus think? And those things that come against us that are not of God, capture them like you would gaining control of yourself in front of somebody who is chewing you out. It's possible. It's possible. We've all lived it. Just take it from here and apply it here. Take every thought captive and understand that the self-control, that fruit of the Spirit... One of these gems that is in our backpacks will build and grow. Self-control is not about you controlling yourself, but it's surrendering, allowing God to control you.
and letting Him be and do through you in the situation you're in. Father, Lord God, I thank you for this day. God, there's so many things that you want us to understand and that you want us to learn. And Father, I, I can see your heart smiling down upon us. Father, I thank you for your love for us. God, it's overwhelming. And Father, I pray that those who need to understand just how deep and wide your love is, that God, you show that to them. Father, that you meet them where they are and you pour yourself out upon them. Father, those of us who need to understand your power in helping us take thoughts captive, God, help us. Help us to take those thoughts captive. Father, help us surrender and let you take control. God, thank you for blessing us and thank you for loving us. Father, I pray that the things that you shared this morning are etched into our hearts. Father, that your spirit through this week brings them as a constant reminder so that it becomes our nature to listen to you, to understand what it is that you're thinking. Father, I ask you to draw us into your word so that we can know your mind. That which we've been given, that we would know it. And Father, live by it. Thank you for loving us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.